0: Welcome to School by Cinema. This is the film class you won't want to sleep through. Continuing our mini series on screenwriting, I am here to discuss Pitch Perfect with uh, Rob Costino. Hello.
1: Hey, what's going on? How are you? <laughs>
0: Good. Um should I say TV zone or is that reserved just for Patrick? I mean if
1: you want I, I I leave that up to people. You know, that was decided for me. That's certainly not something uh, I would put forward for myself. But yes, uh-huh. I am occasionally I'm occasionally TV's Rob DeCaterina. Yes.
0: You are so humble. You're so humble. Uh, well, uh, I will okay. I'll throw it out there. TV zone Rob Cristino.
1: <sighs> I am FS this movies Rob DiCristino, and Occasionally TV's <laughs> Rob. DiCristino. Yes. Yeah.
0: Awesome. Well, um, so I jump off by asking everyone, uh, what does screenwriting mean to you?
1: And I'm and you know, I've listened to the show and so I know that a lot of people have different answers to this and all that. But to <laughs> me, I mean I'm I'm a writer. I, I, screenwriting is everything to me. That, that's what got me interested in movies. Um, you know, I, folks who know me know that I uh, write reviews and, um, I'm you know, may or may not, people may or may not know I'm an English teacher. Uh, so obviously, <laughs> you know, the written word is pretty important to me. Um, you know, I, 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 tend to approach, um, my reviews and I tend to approach my, my scholarship from the perspective of writing. I'm a, As I always say on this movie, I'm a a story and plot guy first. Um, And so writing is really important to me. And so I love screenplays. I love screenwriting. Um, And a lot of the reasons why, I think maybe probably if people clicked on this episode and they said, you know, you've done episodes on, you know, Joe versus Volcano, which is one of my favorite movies, you know, it's such an incredible screenplay, you know, and and other movies that have these sort of sophisticated, really intricate screenplays, people are probably like, pitch perfect, like what, like, but. What what I hope to do today is really kind of celebrate structure, which which I think is 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 too easily and, and too often kind of pushed aside for the sake of, um, uh, you know, I guess maybe intricacy or, hey, let's talk about these things that break the rules. I'm I love the rules. I I love <laughs> you know what I mean? Like that's and again i'm a teacher so like i teach the rules it's so important to me i you know I, I teach film i teach english i teach philosophy you know like structure is is a huge part of what appeals to me um and so i you know i'm here kind of today to kind of celebrate a movie that i think plays by the rules in a really really interesting way um and i think there's a lot to learn from it
0: I like that. And as I was watching this movie and I was doing research, I was thinking this is an important movie to discuss or movies like this are important to discuss because, as you said, structure. And then also within structure, you have tropes and Mm -hmm. people are often talking about tropes. And I think tropes are important um of course <laughs> you're going yes um, yes
1: I'm, I'm raising my fist <laughs> and you can't you, you can't see us but i'm raising my <laughs> fist in joy because i love tropes. those are so important
0: they are especially when it comes to films like this it is really important i think for screenwriters and anyone who you know looks at film to understand that the reason why tropes are important in order to step outside those tropes or in order to improve upon
1: them I mean totally right and and I think that again there's this kind of like I don't want to say trend or whatever there's this kind of like punk rock attitude which normally I support which is like yeah, break the tropes, do something different. But and like, yeah, definitely, definitely break the tropes. But there's so much sophistication in knowing them and playing mm-hmm. with them. And and I and I think that, that that makes the time I think I'll just put it this way. I think there's a lot of film <laughs> scholarship. I'll put there's a lot of film scholarship out there that says that will celebrate something for pushing past tropes without really knowing why like mm-hmm. why that's important or why that's good. I think mastery and manipulation of tropes is so much sexier. Like I think it's so much more important and more, yeah, I, I mean, generally like I do like, like, like I, I, I love baseball and, and one of my favorite baseball players is Ichiro Suzuki. If you don't know, was this amazing baseball player. And he, he talked about like the home run is cool. I think hitting mm-hmm. the single and stealing second is way sexier. And I, and, and, and I, feel that I feel that way when it comes to screenwriting, there are obviously like, like, Pitch Perfect is not Chinatown. I understand that. You know what I mean? (laughs) But I think there's something about hitting a single in the right field and stealing second, which I think is what Pitch Perfect does, that can be just as interesting as hitting the home run out of the ballpark. You know what I mean? And I, I I hope to argue for that
0: today. Of course, I always, you know, love a sports metaphor. As a very sporty person myself, (laughs) I appreciate this, that you're bringing this onto the podcast. Um, But yeah, so I mean, so structure, that's one of the reasons you picked this. Is there any other reason you picked this film?
1: Uh, I feel like that's one of those questions where you knew the answer to it before (laughs) you asked it.
0: Not at all.
1: I, yes. I don't know I anything. I this. I, I take this, this. movie for two reasons, and they are Anna and Kendrick.
0: Yeah. I, <laughs> I knew it. I knew adore.
1: It. I I adore Anna Kendrick, and this is the this is the ur text for Anna Kendrick. This is mm-hmm. this is to me. There's there's up in the air, which she's delightful in, and she got nominated for an Oscar in. But when I think of Anna Kendrick, I think of Pitch Perfect, specifically mm-hmm. Pitch Perfect one. And I will say. I understand this movie spawned a franchise. Um, yes. I am. I don't care very much for two or three. I, I, I think that two or three are, are are movies that fall victim to franchise fatigue. Um, and so mm-hmm. I will be specifically, I will be specifically arguing today for Pitch Perfect one, uh, the first movie. Um, that being said, this movie is written by Kay Cannon, um, yep. who rules. Um, yes. You know, who I am a huge fan of. Thirty Rock. I'm a huge fan of New Girl. Mm-hmm. um blockers was great with blockers yep. was a movie that she, she directed um so huge fan of k Cannon. so i give her i give her just as much credit for this in terms of you know where you know obviously Andrew yeah. gets a huge chunk of it but, but <laughs> we're talking we're talking about screenwriting here and and the movie is based on kind of a, a non-fiction book by mickey repkin which is like you know a, sort of yep. a it's kind of like mean girls where it was like it was, it was yeah. from a book but it's adapted in the sense that like it was a nonfiction book about a real Yeah, it was like a journalistic you know, a, a, book.
0: It was called it, Pritch Perfect, The Quest for Collegiate Acapella Glory.
1: Right. So this is sort of a fictionalized version of Rapkin's yep. book. So I so while I give credit to him certainly for the book. This is K Cannon's screenplay and she fictionalized mm-hmm. it and I think that I think that's really important so so I think it's it's just again it's a writer who's, who's you know writer producer director who's celebrated in our culture she rules K Cannon is, is great I'll definitely see anything she does um and this is just another sort of you know whatever flower in her cap or whatever metaphor <laughs> I'm butchering right then yeah
0: well I think it's important to discuss her because She obviously, as you said, came from the 30 Rock world. She was in like the UCB Chicago scene, all those Chicago people, all those cool people out there. And then she moved into 30 Rock and then she was, I think, the head writer on New Girl and maybe even the executive producer. They're all great, great things. And then after this, she does Blockers, which is a fantastic movie, which kind of shows how she's able to, think outside the box and how she learned from all of those places she came from and was able to produce a film with like some real heavy hitters um and make it just as funny it has a point of view uh i think it was like a seth rogan evan goldberg s- script yeah. that she like came in on because they wanted a female point of view um and so i think she is very much of our generation coming up. And I think she may be a little bit older than us, but she is like the success story of our generation.
1: I think that it's, and again, if you haven't seen Blockers, if you're listening to this, you haven't yeah. seen Blockers and you, and, you, and it came out and you were kind of like, yeah, oh, whatever, dumb teen tech company. It is such a good, empathetic, thoughtful mm-hmm. movie. And, and, I, and again, I'm a, I, I'm a high school teacher. I work with teenagers all day long. <laughs> It's a movie that really understands and and tries to empathize with teacher with uh, teachers with uh, teenagers,
0: yeah. um
1: in a, in a, in a way that a lot of movies about teenagers don't. Um, and yeah. so I really can't. I was so surprised. We celebrate at SF movie, we celebrate blockers all the time because it's it's one of those underseen movies that yeah. I think will will gradually grow as a cult classic as more people start to see it. Um, and uh, and I think Kay Cannon is totally responsible for a lot of the success of that. Judging by the voice that we see through that yeah. movie and this movie and 30 Rock and New Girl, you can see that through line of her influence. And it's and it's massive.
0: Yeah, I remember listening to a billion years ago to F this movie where they talked about American Pie and how this feels like American Pie for a new generation where it also includes the parents and where yeah. it's like very much about the whole the whole idea of being a teenager rather than like the horny or whatever, or the emotional, it's like about how that whole, that whole everything you're going through at that time uh, is, you know, crystallized in this like one idea. And I love like a one night, one day movie that does that like so yeah. successfully um, it's really hard to do. And it's really great when you can see it pulled off.
1: It's an easy screenwriting cheat in a teen sex comedy to teach, yeah. to treat the, to treat the parents as an obstacle
0: Uh huh.
1: just the, the story arc in that movie is about the parents like the oh, emotional what? arc of that movie is the parents coming to understand something that the kids knew all along yeah which is which is such an interesting and again going back to empathy and like going back to this idea of like uh like using the conflict to forge a, a greater relationship between the parents and the kids i just think that movie is just such a miracle it's just such a wonderful again we're 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 not we're not here to talk about blockers <laughs> I mean, maybe maybe we should be i don't know but but like, maybe i should
0: it, do blockers slash yeah let's just been this.
1: maybe, maybe <laughs> next title. time we'll do blockers yeah there next time we there you go we'll i yeah. like
0: that i like that um so when did you first see this movie and how did it like kind of become a part of your like repertoire of like great films that you like looked up to?
1: Yeah, so so I mean this movie obviously, you know, I I I saw it. Um I don't remember how when I saw it for the first time, probably, you know, I think I saw this movie in theaters, you know, maybe on a date or whatever. I'm not 100% sure, but but I de- it definitely I do notice that movies like this stick to me. And I, and again, we're we're joking about my love for Anna Kendrick. And that's <laughs> you know, yes, obviously that it, that was something that would inspire me to to continue to watch. But but movies like this do stick with me. And I do think I was drawn to, again, the symmetry of the writing, which we'll talk about, the music. Um, I do think the the movie, I'll talk about this, you know, but like, I think the music is important. You know, I think like something like Josie and the Pussycats and great movies like that, that you weaponize a soundtrack. Um, this, this movie uses its music to tell part of its story. Um, and so I think it just, it's just something I gradually kind of just would always see, it was a DVD. Like I, I, I remember the, there's a music cue that I, I know is part of the DVD soundtrack, and I'm definitely of the generation of, of people who, would watch a movie before going to sleep and then fall asleep and the DVD menu would play over and over again oh, as you're sleeping. Like, right yeah, you'd like wake up at <laughs> you wake up at two in the morning. Yeah. You wake up at two in the morning and the and the DVD menu is playing. And it's only like fifteen seconds long. So you your <laughs> sleep. Um, so this movie has one of those DVD menus for me, definitely. Um, but it's just something I gradually came to appreciate. And when it came time for me to start teaching film, um, which you know I I've, I've done off and on for about 10 years, um, at the high school level, I was looking for something accessible, something you know that I could use as a teaching tool that wasn't, you know, like well, I'll do respect to Citizen Kane and Casablanca mm-hmm. and like movies that you know I, when I was taking film classes and stuff, would, would have to watch. I was like, let me try to find something that is more contemporary, obviously, and also just something that I, I'm always about, kind of you know teaching pop culture. Like I teach this philosophy of pop culture class, and you know we use like things like The Good Place and Harry Potter and Stranger Things, and and, and I use stuff like. You know, I snuck in a Kiru in there, you know, like I I, I try to do different things that, that that show students that like you don't not everything has to be homework. You know what I mean? Like I don't have to watch this movie from the fifties, which to our students to to high school students today is like, you know, obviously like ancient. Um, you can find those little Hints of things in in modern in contemporary movies, and even Pitch Perfect now, being from twenty twelve, is basically ancient to you know this generation. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, it is contemporary enough where I could you know, I started building a curriculum where I started building my screenwriting unit um, when I taught screenwriting and when I teach screenwriting, I, I teach it. I, sometimes I mix it up, but I I have a whole unit built around Pitch Perfect because I think it does, as I said before, it follows so many basic structural tenets but does it in a way where it hits every beat. Like we'll talk about how like character and also theme and also um, sort of the atmosphere and kind of like mise-en-scene, like, like the music like is such an important part of this. It just does everything so well that I think we take it for granted. I know, and I've tried to sell people on this movie. I understand there's people who don't understand why I like this. I guarantee you right now, somebody's listening to this, is like, why is he talking about the <laughs> Anna Kendrick movie about acapella? I totally understand that. i t I've tried to sell it to, you know, Patrick and Adam and all my friends at <laughs> movie and no nobody goes with me on it. And I and I, I get it. Everybody likes everybody likes what they like. But I hope to I hope to, uh, to I've I, I found a lot of success with it in the classroom because um, it's just very digestible. It's just very digestible. And again, I, I'm all I'm a fan of the, the really well cooked steak, you know, uh, the you know, the Chinatown but occasionally I just want a meatball sandwich. And that's that's perfect, you know what I mean? That's that's, that's where I'm at.
0: But I think that that's so important. And I've kind of talked a little bit about the importance of the pop filmmaker, quote unquote, and the pop film. These are important movies because they are gateway movies and it allows people to you know, have their meatball sandwich, and then maybe down the line, they'll want to have their really rare steak of Chinatown, you know? And again, and that, and again so much... Idea.
1: Yeah, so much, and I agree with you, And so much of my job is gateway. Like, so much yep. of my job is introducing, I mean, literally, I'm like, students, introducing students <laughs> to things and saying, like, hey, you, there's more to this if you're willing to go into it. So I could do a whole history of film and show them Edward Boybridge and show them, you know, like, all, you know, I could show them uh, you know, the Lumiere brothers and all that. And I do, I have a history in it, but also I think it's more important to show them, Hey, this art is out here right now. And like yep. you said about like, like, you know, like uh, uh like gateway movies and, and even like going back again. not that we have to go back to blockers, but going back to blockers, you <laughs> know, like gateway movies like
0: that are incredibly important as well. Yeah. they are. And I think the important part of this movie that, uh, you'll probably talk about it more as you you know discuss structure and whatnot. Um, but it's kind of built like a sports movie, yeah. And she's talked about that before. And as you know, I'm not very sporty person. I I know I fooled you all earlier by saying I was. Um, <laughs> I
1: understood so, that baseball reference.
0: <laughs> I I appreciate sports movies for how they play with the idea of structure and tropes. Mm-hmm. And the most successful ones are the ones that do it well and rise above. Um, and you know, she talked about Hoosiers and Rocky being the movies that kind of helped her make the template for this movie. Yeah.
1: Yeah, and I'm going to refer to Rocky when we talk a little bit about no, cause <laughs> my because I and I told you this the other day when we were talking. I I you know I am going to structure my discussion, so I use this movie to teach the hero's journey. I use this no. movie to teach Joseph Campbell, um, and I know there's a lot of people who it, I, I just said Joseph Campbell, and a lot of people will turn this off and be like, mm-hmm. well, that's what." But but again, I I understand. I understand why people think that's, oh, that's overblown and that's restrictive. I've read lots of very interesting scholarship about how, like, oh, well, the Joseph Campbell Star Wars thing really uh, kind of um, hamstrung a lot of screenwriters and they think that it's this easy cheat code to writing good screenplays. Um, But I can't, like, I can't argue with that. That's, that's fine. Again, break rules. We need to break rules, but there's a reason rules exist and it's because they work. There's it's a re- there's a reason why tropes and structure work, and it's because they work. And so I'm going to celebrate that today. Um, as you said, you know, sports movie, Rocky, things like that. Um, Pitch Perfect is a wonderful example of Joseph Campbell's monomyth, and and that's kind of how I'm going to structure my discussion.
0: <laughs> okay. Well, what's what's the next point you have? Let's let's go there. I'm going to let you leave this for a second because okay. you have all your notes and you're Mr. <laughs> Teacher Man. So what's the
1: next I, point I, you have? I, I over prepared. I think is what you're is what you're trying to subtly say. Like, yeah, yeah. No, uh, no. Oh, so, 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 I guess, so I guess a couple kind of entry points. All right. Um, so first thing, um, again, I do want to just real quick. You know, we've been, we talked about K Cannon, we, I do want to mention. Jason Moore is the director of this film, yes. and it's a perfectly serviceable, serviceably directed film. There's nothing wrong with that. But particularly yeah. inspiringly directed, right? anything like that. But it is what it is. we would mention. Him. He's the director. He,
0: he's um, done a ton of TV, and his TV work yeah. is like all solid. Like, it's
1: totally solid, totally functional.
0: Which there's nothing to ever be ashamed of. That
1: yes, absolutely. So we want to just give them some credit there for a second. I also want to go in before we talk about this again. This movie is 12 years old, which you know, or almost 12 years old, which I know it mm-hmm. seems like an eternity for a lot of people. Um, <laughs> I just before we start, you know, I do want to say like I understand that the Fat Amy character is a problem.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, I,
1: I but understand. I think that, that
0: there's a the reason behind it is interesting to t- talk about.
1: Yes, and that's what I hope that maybe people will look past. I understand that there's some gay panic stuff in this movie. There's yeah. some weirdly anti-Semitic stuff in it. Like you could, you there's a lot of things that you could in, certainly interpret. And and I have respect for folks who would do that and turn this off because like, hey, that's not okay to say in 2023, yeah. or that's okay. I totally understand. I'm not defending it. I'm not saying it's you know okay. It it was yeah. wrong then, it's wrong now, but like there is a context. I'll just put it that. Yeah. Way. Um, yeah, I so think,
0: I- and, the, and the history behind the Fat Amy thing is that she's friends with Amy Poehler, of course, and because they were both working on 30 Rock and all that stuff, and they're right. all part of the same crew, and Amy Poehler was pregnant at the time, and she, but she hadn't mm-hmm. told anybody, so she said, I'm going to call myself Fat Amy so no one else calls me that first, right. and I can like kind of weaponize that a little bit and i understand that and i really actually don't have that much of a problem with it i think it says more about the time period that we were in at that time like how we treat women even though it's only been 12 years and things have not gotten that much better but we still are a little bit more aware of using that term
1: yeah yeah. And so, so again, like I just want at the outset, like I'm not, uh, I'm not apologizing for it. I'm also not zoning yeah. it. I am like everybody's free to interpret those things as they wish. Also like the Cynthia Rose character who's gay, like there's the yeah. whole, again, th- again, that like gay panic thing where it's like, Oh, the joke is that she's a lesbian and that's funny. Like it's like, I understand that that's not funny. I understand that that's not like, it's easy. That's cheap. I will totally acknowledge that this, again, the movie is not yeah. perfect. I I, I, yeah. I totally understand that. And I totally get that. But well, I do think mean, that yeah. there no, go, go ahead. ahead. Good. Ahead. Go ahead. Go. I just, I would just say, like, at the very least, the screenplay uh, uses that right as, as, like, as, 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 character development. Like the, like, we'll talk about this, but like the way the, the, the structure of the movie is like setups and payoffs, setups and payoffs. You know, it does at least use it as part of the story, whether that's, whether that justifies the joke is totally up to you as, as, a, as a viewer. That's, that's totally your business. And I don't apologize for, or, or condone or forgive any of it. It's just, it is what it is.
0: Yeah. I feel like there, when comedies, especially as we, like we're moving forward and get more progressive and more aware, there's like, I feel like for me personally, and maybe this happens for other people, there's like a comedic ratio that happens where it's like, what percentage of these jokes are funny and which ones are the ones that are of its time? And how what is my tolerance to that going back? And I would say for this one, generally, you know, it's it's you can see it. And I think if you live in it, it's a little bit more understandable. Um, so I feel like and as I learned more about this movie, I understood it more, and especially the fat Amy stuff, and it became something to like. Dissect a little
1: bit more, and I also think that like when we talk about like again, I mentioned like Pitch Perfect two, Pitch Perfect three. Yeah. they have that sequel problem where Pitch Perfect two becomes all Fat Amy because that's yes. what's that's yeah. what and that's and that's why that movie doesn't work is because yes. it's that problem where it's like okay, let's take the breakout character and and make the whole movie and that just does mm-hmm. and, and again that's why I just with those movies I'm just like nope, this is not it. This is yeah. not it. this is this is this is every superficial sort of more easy like I just yeah I, again. So so I actually think this movie does a really good job of of, of reining that in, where yeah. there are those moments where you can tell um, that she's improvising and that she's throwing lines yeah. out there and, and stuff like that but it like the, the, it gets it's, the editing is pretty like okay, there's a little bit of indulgence and then we move on you know what I mean and so again, it's not perfect, but it is what it is.
0: Yeah, and I think that looking at this movie because I feel like a lot of movies I've looked at so far have been like really strict screenplays this is an interesting look at how improvisation like changes things and how it yeah. how some screenwriters are okay with it and of course it comes a little bit more with comedy because that's kind of the idea is to be right. a little bit in the moment and once a character or an actors in a character maybe they'll bring some kind of point of view that the screenwriter didn't have before uh, so i think looking at improvisation in this movie is interesting. And unfortunately, the two actors that got the most improvisation are the two actors that don't age well at all.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, listen, you know, when I, when I read that, Oh, they're going to make a, what's his name? Bumper. And adam Devine spinoff. It's just like, no, like, and they, and again, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not a fan of the pitch perfect cinematic universe. I will not be in here arguing for that. I just think this movie is. Yeah. This movie
0: isn't special in that way. Most sequels and, you know, jump offs or whatever are not good. And so I think this one gets a little bit maligned first off because it's like a female movie Mm. and you know it has that that you know baggage along with it so it automatically gets maligned and then you add the fact that the sequels and whatever aren't very good it you know it just adds to that baggage even more
1: yeah so i i and then the other like kind of like preface or i would i would just say again like i mentioned (laughs) this already I mentioned, like, again, it's not Citizen Kane, it's not Chinatown. I understand yes. that, but I'm, but I'm using this as an example of like stable, well-balanced screenwriting for general audiences. Um, easy setups and payoffs to track. They're good teaching tools. Um, and, and again, I just, it just goes back to my, my love of structure. I find structure reassuring. I find structure. Um, a lot of people can say, oh, well, it's just easy. You just repeat. You know, you just, you just fill in the blanks. You just paint by number. And I think it's so much harder than that. And I think a lot of movies that try to do this structure don't do it as well as this one does.
0: Yeah, and it's so funny that this movie kind of pulls from Bring It On in a way I never thought of before I started looking at it. I was like, oh, duh, it's definitely the Bring It On. But you need things like, like that, where you have the character who's out of the loop to bring the audience in, and that's yeah. another, and that's not new, you use that a lot. And at all, like it's like Harry Potter has that, it's like very, very uh, standard to use a character who's not used to the world to bring you in, so you learn all the rules, all that stuff. Yeah,
1: so I'm ready. I'm ready when you are. When are we going to jump into the to Joseph? we Planner? haven't. I'm been- right, I'm right- no, been? no, not yet. No, oh no I'm ready. I've got the steps lined up. I'm going to go point by point through this movie.
0: Okay, go for it. I'm just here right. to listen at this okay. point.
1: All right. So, all right. The beginning of Joseph Campbell's journey, right, is the ordinary <laughs> world. Step yes. one. And, and, and like your listeners right now are like, oh my God, is he really good? <laughs> yes, he is. Yes, he is. Yes just yes he is he's gonna do this uh, so as you said like when we when we, be, when we begin the film right we meet our hero right our yeah. hero there's an ordinary world like i always when i teach i'm always like you know it's like it's a fairy tale once upon a time there was a princess every day the princess woke up and did this normal thing until one day the princess did this instead you know so so we meet becca right we and, and she is um she's arriving at college she enters her her sort of ordinary world right um she's there at college and then we meet up with the with aubrey and chloe who are the bellas right we learn that the bellas have this sort of chip on their shoulder because there was this competition where uh, i think it's aubrey is the one who has the vomit the uh, yes. the vomit spell right um so there we set up our plot right away which is the bellas are going to try to get back in the game win this competition uh, 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 Becca is uh, uh, obstinate, she doesn't really want to be at college, we set up her conflict with her dad she enters college against her will she wants to go to, I mean this is Luke Skywalker right, he just—he wants to go to Tachi <laughs> Station to pick up the power converters, right he wants to go off and do the thing, dad wants you know, Uncle Owen wants him to be a farmer right, this is normal, ordinary world stuff, this is Campbell like 100% right, hates her stepmom blah blah blah, but then the other thing this movie does really well is it establishes like the tone and the world of like cappella like collegiate yes. acapella where it's like sets up all the teams and it sets up the idea like the movie like doesn't take it serious it knows that all due respect to acapella is yes. like it knows it's kind of silly but also like it will it also finds the heart in it it understands yeah. why people are drawn to it as well so we set up the tone we set up the characters we set up the conflicts right every it's all table setting we meet the uh the um uh, Jesse, right, the the, mm-hmm. the character who's going to be the love interest, right, he comes in, oh, he sings too. It just so happens that all these characters sing, but it doesn't matter, you know, they're, they're all drawn to each other. That's how it works, right?
0: It makes the youth of, like, you, what you usually have in a musical, like, more tan, like palatable almost, because you're like, why would these, the, the number one argument is, like, why would these people start singing all the time? <laughs> it gives you a reason <laughs> to understand that.
1: Yeah. So then, so then, second step is call to adventure, right? Second uh-huh. step is okay, you know, the, the the rebellion needs Luke Skywalker, right? The princess, you know, the princess <laughs> is is then captured by the Death Star, right? Um, and in this particular case, it's Becca wants to go to L. A. to be a uh, to be a producer, right? And her dad says, okay, look, you you know, you join one club, do something, go, and I will help you, you mm-hmm. know, do that, right? Then, um, you know, so the call to adventure, sort of the the idea that like, oh, we're going to um uh, uh go out and explore these cultures you at that the little club fair thing but then we have the refusal of the call right again and you're probably like is, I, I i'm such a like a, a, it's, it's so i i irritate myself talking about this stuff but i just love this stuff it's so not much. irritating there, at all but i like i like
0: hearing just, you break it
1: down yeah so so with the call to adventure it's like hey you're like hey we have this thing we have to do. go out there like you can get your goal if you need if you do this thing right you know when you look at you know Oh, Apollo Creed is going to, you know, he's going to invest in this no-name fighter, right? And it could be Rocky, you know. So, so, so Becca um, is going out there. She's looking around, but then we have the refusal of the call, which is like, hey, I'm not, you know, I'm not going to do this, right? Skywalker, it's like, you know, I, it's so, you know, the rebellion's such a far, you know, it's so far from here. I can't go save the princess, right? In this particular case, it's, it's, it's Becca talking to the girls at the fair, and they're like, yeah, come join our acapella group. And she's like, no, nah, that's dumb, right? Like, I'm not doing that jesse the love interest you know, he's trying to flirt with her and all that she's like yeah get out of here like i'm not you know I'm, i know what i'm about i know what i'm gonna do she doesn't really want to get out there and do anything right so so this idea of like the the sort of the refusal of the call the refusal of the adventure right it mm-hmm. usually ends up taking um a mentor character to come in right there's yes. always that mentor character right and rocky it's you know it's that Right. You, you know The, the trainer is going to come in and teach him how to do this. Obviously, it's Obi-Wan Kenobi and all the characters, right? Um, and in this particular case, it's a, a sort of awkward nude shower scene. Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> between <laughs> between so, Anna Kendrick and Anna Camp, yeah.
0: So this is where the casting of this film makes it go to that next level because if you don't have anna camp Brittany snow and anna kendrick in the three main roles this movie does not work at all because um anna camp is so good at playing these kind of stick up their ass characters that are and they sell the awkward speech so well Mm that you know later on gets annoying in other in other terms um but they sell that so well and then also having anna kendrick your love is appreciated um she makes this lead character accessible because if i think anyone else played her she would be so annoying because i'd be like you're getting a free education and you want to go fuck around in la instead are you kidding (laughs) me right now like i would kill to have that
1: yeah so, so my, my favorite line to my favorite line delivery in the whole movie is was when, when they're talking and 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 Anna Kendrick has this again I love Anna Kendrick um, <laughs> she has this he just has this moment where she just looks at look at she's like I am nude and it's just really- <laughs> The way she says it, I, I had to write it down on my notes because it just gets me. <laughs> but, but when you look at the story function of that scene, what—that's the meeting with the mentor. She is yep. the mentor, like she is. She is going to help her assimilate with the acapella world. Yeah. And I also want to say real quick, I know the Akka thing is, amazing, <laughs> but the movie is in on the joke. The movie yes. understands that it's dumb. It, it, there's there's some times where the m- movie doesn't understand that and it tries to like make a thing happen, like you know what I mean? And it's it's not this movie is not trying to make Akka happen. The movie knows that Akka is dumb. But the important part is it's important to the characters and yep. selling Becca on the Akka thing is part of her character growth. Okay. So I just want to point that out. The movie knows. But, <laughs> no,
0: uh, and it even has a joke about Glee in the audition scene, right, which exactly. is really important.
1: Right with McLovin.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, which is so weird that he's in this movie well, for he like in
1: everything around the time. <laughs> yes, he's, he showed up in movies all the time. This time, yeah. So he's anyway. So again, we meet the mentor, right? So then it's then it comes time we enter into the foreign world, right? We've crossed the first threshold. Is this Frodo going out on his journey, right? Luke getting on board the Millennium Falcon and going off into into fight the Empire, right? And that's the audition scene with the with the with the cup scene, right? Becca makes the team. Becca makes makes the you know, makes the, and that's you know test set, setting out some of the conflicts as well. She's going to have that conflict with the uh, Aubrey. It's Aubrey, right? Aubrey posing. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. Aubrey character. She's going to have that conflict, but she impresses. She does the cup thing which of course you know i may or may have not have watched that scene on repeat several dozen times in my life
0: (laughs) wishing she was singing it to you
1: particularly inspiring for a number of reasons (laughs) um but she is um but that but that again we're talking about the screenplay here like the point is is like she's voluntarily entering into the world she's got the incentive to do so from her dad and also like she finds it kind of intriguing this is something with music at least it's not Mm -hmm. producing but it's something that she could probably and like and the Kendrick character knows, like, I am a little withdrawn, right? Obviously, this is going to lead into her conflict with Jesse later, where it's like, how come you push away anybody who can get to know you? She's got the divorce kid thing, which you know a lot of us can relate to. So it's like, uh, you know, I'm gonna gonna kind of bottle my bottle up my emotions and all that, and and that comes in a play later, but that sets us off onto the actual journey itself, right? So we cross that first threshold. She makes the team, right? Um, and then, again, following Campbell, right, that gets us into the next step, which is tests, allies, and enemies. This is basically where the hero goes out into the world and starts learning the ropes, starts learning. Um, this is where montages typically happen in a movie mm-hmm. like this, a sports movie. This is where we train, right? Rocky is training. Uh, he's, go- <laughs> he's, he's going out on dates with Adrian. He's trying to, you know, get her to like him. Um, he's he's, you know, a poly, he's building his French poly. This is where, like, Luke is learning about the rebellion and all the stuff on the Death Star like there's all this great kind of you know foundational stuff this is that middle part of the movie that tends to move the fastest but where we establish all of the like so many of the conflicts right so um the bellas start to figure out like their dynamic right cynthia rose and fat amy they start to kind of like show off their strengths and all that we establish that aubrey's like controlling um that the songs are (laughs) old-fashioned Um, she starts to see Jesse, right? She, you, you know, you have juice pouches in Rocky, you know, like that whole thing. Um, real quick, the thing about Becca not liking movies, I know that's dumb. I know that that's not a thing that human beings would say, but it's- I,
0: I think it's, I've absolutely heard that before.
1: It, you really have.
0: Yes, I've heard that before.
1: And then, then I, then I give the movie even more <laughs> credit than I was originally <laughs> one to give it. Um,
0: I have definitely people who are like super into music and do not care about movies.
1: Yeah, I get that. I understand that. But like, but again this establishes all like i love any movie that has a big board i like when aubrey has the big white board and then we go into the montage like this is the montage part of the movie right where basically Uh we just we set up all the problems we set up all the character that again this is going step by step by step with basically this movie is as good as star wars is what i'm saying right now that's that's, that's the exact same movie it's the exact same thing i believe Um, it. And then, um, and then we start to get closer to our goal, right? We have to establish something that's going to, okay, let's test some of the things that um, we're starting to put into practice, right? And that's that first um, Bell's performance where they go and sing for like the frat boys and it like mm-hmm. doesn't go well, right? So we start to see that like, they don't have a good dynamic with each other. And again, if I'm just going across a whiteboard in like a writer's room or if I'm at home at a screen, like I'm breaking my acts down into into pieces, right? Into, into sort of levels. And I've got my post-it notes up on the board I'm writing in my whiteboard. I'm just like, okay, establish a problem, establish a conflict, establish this. And so I'm just going step by step through this. Um, We have that one bad Bell's performance where the guy says like, oh, I'm not paying you because you're singing all these old songs and you guys aren't organized and all that. But um, we establish more conflict with Becca and Aubrey where it's like, hey, they don't get along because Becca's, they're kind of both alphas sort of, or at least Becca's kind of a potential alpha kind of. Um, then there's that whole thing with like Jesse where she wants to date him, but she can't cause of, he's a treble and you know, you can't get treble boned and all that stuff. <laughs> um, and, uh, but the most important thing is the riff off. The riff off is that yes. is the core scene of that, this section of the film structurally, which is the fact that they show that they have chemistry, that they're we set up the potential four you know this is luke being force sent this is luke skywalker uh uh, with the lightsaber um uh with the little battle droid thing where he's you know he's blocking the lasers and all that showing that he has the potential to use the force that's this this is the, the riff off where they have great chemistry and when they just listen to each other and they just play off each other's strengths and they work as a team they can accomplish a goal so when you're talking about structure you're talking about sort of roping an audience in and getting them to believe in you know the eventual conclusion that the movie's going to come to that's this is this scene is setting that up
0: yeah this is where she becca like buys into the premise of the movie yeah. which you need because you
1: need her, if her to buy in,
0: in. If she's yeah. not in it, why should I be in it?
1: I mean, it's a bunch of white girls singing Black Street, which is not
0: <laughs> awesome. Like, it's not the best thing ever, but but
1: you know, it's it's but it but it does again, it shows the I can't,
0: I can't wait to talk about the music in this movie with you.
1: <laughs> um and then and then again I'm just I just we continue right along. We go to maybe we go to the major ordeal, right? We're ste- we're on step eight now for those who are keeping track of, it. <laughs> sort of the bottom part of the circle drifting toward the second half. Again, I, this is me being, I apologize. I just, I just, Stop. I love, I, love, no, I, love you I think it's great. Um, so this is where like the biggest test yet is undergone right the ordeal right and that in particular is the the first sort of final whatever the southeastern finals or whatever the first time they're on stage it's
0: always some finals semi-finals
1: exactly semi-finals where they go on stage okay so what happens well they sing the same tired old songs and it doesn't work right they move forward basically on a technicality because they were decent enough right whatever it is but then like There's the conflict with Jesse, where we start to deepen that conflict where, you know, you're not my boyfriend, you called my dad. There's that whole thing where there's that fight or whatever it is. Um, the uh, you know They get involved in that fight and that really starts to intensify the conflict, right? So we start to establish a ticking clock. We start to establish stakes, right? Which is like, they need to be good enough. They, they made their way through the first part, but they need to be good enough to get to the second part. There's the, un, the sort of unspoken stuff between uh, Becca and Jesse. There's all the stuff with like the radio station. There's all these threads that are hanging out there. But the point of this kind of phase is that we're starting to increase the intensity. We're starting to like, set real dramatic stakes. We're trying to set a clock. Like this guy's going to walk away from her if she doesn't get it together or this team is going to fall apart if they don't start to pull together like there's all these things that will happen that were like theoretical before like maybe this would be a thing that would start us off now they become real it starts to become weightier um, and then we move into uh, the next stage, which is the meeting with the goddess. This is where we start to get into the emotional truth of the story. Now that we've really established both the conflict and the stakes of the of the story, we have to get into, like, okay, why does this matter? And like you said before, like, that the, the fact that Becca starts to buy in, like, why would this be important to her? And this is where she really starts to start talking about what they should be doing. Hey, what if we started doing like remixes? What if we started doing like new or more contemporary songs? She starts to take on a leadership role. Um, and there are times in a movie where, um, because again because of like gender binary stuff like that like usually the hero is male right and this is the point where you know campbell calls it the meeting with the goddess because it's the mother figure right it's the female figure so usually it's like a love interest or it's whatever the emotional truth of the story is this is where it's going to come out um and in pitch perfect it's the party in the usa scene yeah it's it's the scene on the bus where they all start singing spontaneously together and that's good
0: no i was gonna say I, the meeting of the goddess is important here because it's more like an introduction into yeah. a sisterhood that right. she didn't know she wanted, or right. like a friendship circle that she didn't know she needed because she's yeah. so closed off. And it's another step of her like buying into this idea of her needing these people as much as they need her.
1: Like you see on the bus, first they start yep. to sing it and then they all wait, right? Yep. And then it's like, you know, they get to the end of the first person. It's like, and then she's like, oh, fine. She's like, so i put my hands up, right? She yep. starts singing, right? Um, and, uh, and that's, again, like, that's the, like, whatever, like, in terms of structure, like, the emotional truth is that these girls love each other, or they, or at least they can love each other. They need that sisterhood, as you said. That's something that's going to be important to them. And when they embrace that, that's what's going to get them by, yep. right? So, like, and this is also the moment where um, they go to this competition, right? And there's all the stuff with, like, the bus and the trebles, and that's all just whatever. It's fine. But... Um, that actually
0: happened to Kay Cannon. She actually got hit by is a. Is that what happened?
1: Okay. So yes. Amazing.
0: And I and I thought that was just like a stupid thing. Not. I shouldn't say stupid. No, thing. it's it a thing it. that uh, yeah. a male perspective might have brought in. It just makes me think of the bridesmaid, exactly. you know, diarrhea thing. Yes. I was like, this must be something. But that actually happened to her.
1: That see, that makes me feel better about it because I did always yes. think of that's like that's that gross out. Like we need someone. <laughs> we need some like yes. stepbrothers brothers bullshit in here right yeah yep. um but um but and obviously they lose this particular part of the competition but the uh-huh. important part is that becca takes a chance yes. she starts to embrace her leadership role she does the the titanium riff right yep. where so they lose it causes more conflict but the idea is that she demonstrates her power right this is luke swinging across the ravine in the death star to get princess leia out of danger right this is like okay we're in trouble we're failing things are going badly but like we I now understand the emotional truth of the story, which is that these girls need to trust each other. They need to get on the same page. Um, so then after that, uh, we get into the road back. This is where we start to pull ourselves out of the sort of underworld, as Campbell called it. Campbell sort of broke it into two halves, sort of an upper world and an underworld. We start to move back into the familiar world. Um, and this is what, the, what he referred to as the atonement with the father, which is essentially where like, we're close to the end where we, the thing out is right there for us. We know what we have to do. We know that if we just banded together, if we could just get past these problems, we could solve it. If we could just believe in ourselves, if we could just get through this conflict that we have, if we could just deal with the interpersonal nonsense and all that, if we could just, you know, get through those things. Um, and for for this, for this movie in particular, the, there's a literal atonement with the father. Becca yep. literally goes to see her dad. <laughs> and is like, I mean, really, like, I, I mean, you might be listening to this and be like, this all, this, he's overthinking it. I'm not overthinking it. It's all literally right there in the text. Like, he. Well, I was thinking was, of
0: it more going back to the group after well, they had that so, that. so that's the, yeah, yeah.
1: So that's the second half of this. But I just wanted to point out the fact that this <laughs> movie has a literal atonement with the father.
0: It literally does
1: where it's like, I need, here's what I need to do. And as you said, that leads to, okay, they get another shot, uh, which is kind of, again, kind of forced, but whatever it is yeah. what it is. Um, they get another shot, and this is where they have the little confession circle, right? That's yep. that's the atonement with the father. They have yep. the confession circle. They air all their grievances. They let everything out. And then that moment, there's, of course, all the vomit humor and all that stuff. It's, yep. you know, but, like, whatever. It is what it is. This movie has to play for general audiences. I understand that. <laughs> but the moment where she hands, it's Aubrey hands her the pitch pipe. is like, Becca, like, what do we do? Like, you're in charge now. Yeah, that beautiful moment where they go back into the you know the, the the riff off the little empty pool, and when we talk about the music in the movie, like what are the songs? It's just the way you are. <laughs> like, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's like it could not be more explicit in the text. Like you guys are great, just the way you are. Like come on. Um, and uh, then we start to see, like you know, Chloe. There's that whole thing with like Chloe has nodes, right? And <laughs> one of the things that they set up in the beginning of the movie is that all female groups don't typically succeed because they can't hit the low notes. Yeah. I mean, it just so happens, she can hit the low notes now. And yeah. Lily, the the girl, the qu- really quiet girl, like she starts. What well, you know, she's real quiet. What's her arc? Well, she learns to beatbox. You know, like it's like yeah. It's- it's really simple stuff that I understand why like a sinist would be like this is this is just sort of prosaic and silly, but like that's the that stuff reverberates. That's stuff again. If we're talking about entry-level storytelling, yeah, it's valuable. Like every character has an arc that pays off. Even if it's just one step, two step, it still works. Um so they sing just the way you are. They have that moment where they're all just like, "This is this is this is finally the dynamic that we need. This is finally the thing that we've been looking for, right? Which is when you all get together and do this, all right? And then we get to the finals, right? We get to the to what, you know what what Campbell would say, sort of taking taking of the reward or the resurrection or whatever. As sometimes it's referred to as apotheosis, where it's like the hero transforms into the new the, the whatever thing he's going to be. Like Luke uses the Force, right? Or Rocky, you know, wins the fight. It's all it's the moment where the characters overcome the, the the thing that they needed to, to accomplish. And that, of course, is them putting together this song, this mashup, which <laughs> embraces all of their strengths, right? Yes. It, it incorporates all of their character arcs, their character theme, even if it's just as simple as, like, hey, this one girl has lost sex. <laughs> Or like it's Fat Amy doing a funny, you know, thing. Like I understand that, but then obviously we play in the Breakfast Club, right? We play in, you know, Don't You Forget About Me, which is, I mean, listen, I was watching this movie on the couch the other night. I'm putting my arm up there with Jeff. <laughs> <laughs> you. Know, I think
0: another walks. reason you love this movie is because you're such a like a romantic. I oh well, you know I have yourself a bit of, admittedly a I, I've, I've
1: I've 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 walked across a football field with my arms <laughs> certainly yes. and
0: and romance doesn't necessarily have to be like a man and a woman like well, no, movies can be romantic. Yeah. In their idealization of certain things, or sometimes just,
1: we're just singing a cappella to each other. That's
0: exactly, as well,
1: you know. But yes. yeah, but, but but again, the idea, of like, and again, this is the kind of shit that crushes me. Like when it's like, <laughs> oh, like he wanted to watch The Breakfast Club. Like, this is how sad I am because I'm the dude like with the, with the Breakfast Club DVD. And- <laughs> Like hey let's let's watch a movie right (laughs) Um, and so and so when she brings the movie back in at the end and she starts you know and she's like it's it's a wonderful way it's it's like we talk about like. Screenwriting is like conservation of detail, and it's like it's like oh, we're gonna solve, we're gonna kill two birds with one stone. We're gonna yep. have them win the win the competition, and we're gonna resolve the love uh, the the, uh, the love conflict here, which is, you know, will you know when <laughs> will you, you know, when I walk on by, will you call my name? Like literally, like, <laughs> it's, it's the arm up. She puts the arm up. It's tough, you know what I mean? Like like spick and span. Let's get out of here. Let's move on to the end of the film, right? So again, they they sing that that great mashup that incorporates all their strengths. They're loose, they're fun, they're having fun, it's great, everything works out, everybody's strengths are played to, the character arcs are all resolved, and all that. Um, and then the last stage for Campbell was always the return to the normal world. We return to the normal world with the yep. uh, with the with the sword, with the elixir, with whatever thing it was that you, you know you had. And in this particular case, that's the last scene where it's the next year. And all the acapella groups are together, and it's the new trials, and it's, hey, the team that won last year gets to pick the song, and it's just a couple minutes, but, you know, it pans over to the Bellas. Becca's in charge. She says, all right, you know, listen, all right, nerds, like, here we go, and yep. then cut. That's it. And
0: it, Yeah, exactly. I like, I like how you broke it down for us. Uh, I appreciated it.
1: I, I, you I know, I just going to tell TV your TV.
0: students they don't have to go to your class anymore. They can exactly. Just if, if you ever
1: what it was like to have a <laughs> teacher, that's essentially what it is. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah.
1: Um, if, if so, you asleep, if you fell asleep halfway through this, I don't I don't I don't, I don't I don't. I don't. I don't hold it against you.
0: No, I like that, and I think an important part of this movie that a lot of these movies play into as we go back to like sports movies and the idea of the announcers giving us the interstitials throughout it's like a a, another trope but it's well used because they have the correct people in those roles and elizabeth banks and john michael higgins it's so important because it gives you more background yeah I mean, you, it's, a Greek,
1: it's a Greek chorus. It's literally yes, a Greek
0: chorus. You know exactly. I mean? I
1: mean, can you get more? You know, what's 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 Banks's line about? Of course, Elizabeth Banks will go on a direct yes. one. I think. Yes. Right? You know, nothing. Nothing makes a girl feel more like a woman than a boy, a man who seems like a boy.
0: <laughs> I wrote that down. That is such a great line, and that was probably something that was improvised because they did a lot of improvisation.
1: That was an Elizabeth Banks line for sure. Yes, it feels like her humor.
0: She is such a delight i love elizabeth banks so much another person who just like you know i I don't want only the best things for and that's why i'm just like i really want her to direct a good movie
1: so (laughs) i'm a fan of charlie's angels
0: (laughs) i am too well i yeah i i actually don't mind it i think it's actually pretty decent
1: i think that movie is watchable i i i don't think it's it's great and i wasn't as into cocaine bears a lot of people were um I, I under I totally understand and appreciate what cocaine yeah. bear is doing and I think it's wild that a person in Elizabeth Bank's position decided to use her clout to make cocaine bear. Like I, I think love what, it. that's a great like choice. So whether that movie was entirely successful for me or not, I think that movie's incredibly successful that it wants to do. I don't yes. necessarily, like, it wasn't necessarily for me, but, like, that movie is exactly what it wanted to be, and therefore that's a success. Like, she's totally successful with what she's doing, and I can't wait to see what she does next. I want her to do more things.
0: The thing about Cocaine Bear is I think the all the action stuff works really well in that yes. movie, and I think it's a uh, issue of too many writers or like too many plots yeah. in a movie. Like if they had just streamlined it down one or two, I think it would have been way more successful.
1: I think there's a lot of things in that movie that you could kind of nitpick and stuff. But like again, I'm just happy that Elizabeth Banks is out there directing movies. That's just yes. great. that's awesome.
0: Yes. Yeah. Yes. Um, but so maybe we should go into the music. Yes. So <laughs> my um, yeah, sure. I think. <laughs> i think the important part of this movie is that okay first off they they did a great made a great choice of choosing um uh don't you forget about me from the breakfast club but it was a second choice (laughs) because they weren't gonna try and use in your eyes from say anything so but they made the correct pivot there it's oh i think so Yes. yes, it's a it's a great movie to talk about with someone who may not have seen it. And it has a great you know soundtrack, a great score, all this stuff. It's great to remix into other songs. Yes. So it works in that ending scene.
1: And let's also I mean, this is the main the main the, the movie isn't just doing that independently. Becca explains like you find yes. songs that have the same chord progression. Yep. You're laying the things onto the like, She explains that this is what you do to be successful. Um, I'm yeah. just imagining. I'm just imagining real quick, like the uh, Jesse character trying to show Becca just the end of "Say Anything." Like, <laughs> it, it makes no sense, you know. Just, she's like, "Yeah, I guess the end of this movie is good. I don't know. I, maybe you show me something different." But um, yeah, no, that's an interesting. It's an interesting pivot. But that movie, that that the song works so well,
0: and the ending of. Breakfast Club works so much better as a parallel to this movie yes. of a group of misfits getting to know each other. Exactly. You know, it just it works so much better. So okay. I'm so glad that they made that that pivot. Um, but the music in this movie, I think it's important that it's of its time and it's kind of dated.
1: It again, we talk about. You know, <laughs> I, 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 I teach teenagers. Teenagers. Can't and it's no fault of their own. I tell them all the time that they have brain damage. It's not their fault. They can't see more than five feet in front of their face. So like when when it's like Bruno Mars and like (laughs) and they're like, like, what? Who are these? (laughs) Well, you know, they don't remember an album from 2020, you know what I mean? So so it is a little bit more difficult. But, like, again, the movie weaponizes the lyrics. The movie weaponizes the structure of how you – again, going back to this idea of, like, Becca being like, no, I'm a producer. I want to mix songs, mix beats together, find things that work together thematically, yeah. lay things over each other. It almost doesn't matter what the music is because it's about the technique.
0: Well, I think it kind of does. Okay, all right. Because – acapella is inherently as oh, we brought this up is inherently corny yes so if you try to do a serious song in this corny way it doesn't really work.
1: It's a good point yeah yeah that is I think
0: point. I think if you pick kind of corny poppy cheesy music, it works so much better.
1: And and I think that that, so like, would there be like, what would equivalent songs of today be? I don't even really know what they would be, but like, I think oh, there is something. Don't like, ask me. Yeah, yeah, that's So.
0: Yeah, exactly. The thing is that music is so different now than it was then because we have even more, it feels like kids are listening to even, I have a, you know, 11 year old going on you know 25 so i only have a small entryway into this world but it feels like kids listen to even weirder stuff now yes. because they have it's so much more accessible to them
1: i i, I have an eight year old going on 35 because he <laughs> listens to like the ronettes and bruce springsteen yes this is the stuff from the 50s and the 70s so yeah so i think that there is something you know the fact that there's no sort of you know monoculture anymore there's no sort of like top 40 like this is what contemporary music is anymore. Kids are just listening to everything. Um, Yeah, I do. I do. Yeah, I think it's nice. This is maybe one of the last times where there was like a, like contemporary canon of pop music. Oh,
0: absolutely. Like, I think that's why it's so useful that they use Party in the USA as that trigger point because that was such a cheesy song yes. at the time. And it'd be like, why would you know about, you know, why would Becca know about this song? It's so cheesy. And
1: there's that great Kendrick performance moment where she's like, fine. Like, of course, like, yes. obviously she knows the lyrics to the song. Yes. We all know the lyrics song. She's like, Fine, I'll go along with this. All right. And so she starts to sing, right? It's like, yeah, no, it's that's
0: that's great. It's a great point but then also i think using titanium on the other side of that as the quote unquote cooler song also dates it but in a good way because that is a great song song. (laughs) (laughs) but it also has that beat that is mixable as well Mm -hmm. like going back to the breakfast club song it has that beat that will kind of blend into many other things and that's what i think we're kind of missing nowadays is those remix songs that people used to make people don't make that stuff anymore again
1: i can't claim to be an authority (laughs) on contemporary (laughs) that's true but but i could i can certainly see that argument and yeah and i think that that's something like again thematically we go back to this idea of like every piece matters everything like i always tell like students who i'm teaching like it's like everything in here is in here on purpose like there's nothing that's like in a movie or a book or whatever like something had to be constructed that set had to be built those costumes had to be made that page like the prose on that page had to be written and edited and rewritten like everything in there has a meaning so we have to find it you know and, um, and I think that the music is all, as you said, like meticulously chosen, not just for, for its chord progressions and all that, but for its like thematic purpose with the characters. And that's why I think that mashup at the end, that, I mean, I listen to, I will just in the car, listen to that end mashup all the time.
0: The, it's so funny because the female mashup is so much better than the male mashup and their songs don't ring as true right. now as the female songs do.
1: Yeah, cuz their songs are more like I mean they're they're just as corny, I guess, but they're yes. they're more sort of bombastic and it is kind of yeah, yeah, no, that the, the but but again, that 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 selling that that idea of like the uh-huh. girls the girls have that um unity to yes. this. And the songs are so different and they like I love that like every character gets their moment to shine. Like again, it it goes back to these very simple screenwriting tenets that I just, it's easy to laugh at them. It's easy to look down your nose at them, but when they work, they work.
0: We embrace it here. Yeah, they work so well. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So did you ever watch uh, Crazy Ex-Girlfriend?
1: Yes, yes. I love Crazy Ex-Girlfriend.
0: Yes. So that first season is so good with Skylar Austin. He's fantastic in that movie, and that show. And he's very good here. He is very much a theater kid, but like in the best way.
1: He's he's doing the he's doing the like the 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 the, the nice guy male protagonist like he's yes. he's doing that but he's he's again I think everybody in this movie is winking at their roles but, yeah. but in a way that also like like I love when he's sitting there watching the breakfast club with Anna Kendrick and which you know is like he, anyone would be lucky to be doing um <laughs> And he's mouthing the words to the speech yes. at the end. Like that's like theater kid shit. You know what I mean? Like that's such like funny. Like he's cause he's just in the moment. And that's like yep. you know, that's me watching like, you know, Monty, <laughs> Monty Python and the Holy Grail, in my dorm room with like some girl. And he's like, <laughs> I'm I'm leaving. Like, what yep. are you what are you doing? Like, you know. Um
0: but I think it's important to look at him because Adam Devine on the other side, his right. character is like so ridiculous, but not like I understand he kind of has to be, but he like is he doesn't play it in as as well as you know Skylar Austin does. I,
1: I understand like listen, Adam Devine is good at what he does. I'm not, yeah. I'm not it's he has a thing and, yeah. and he's doing what he's doing, and I understand that. Um, but i think that but i do think that there's that element of like his characters there to show the sort of more superficial like yes when you're doing this just for the the fame or whatever and then where's the scholar Aston character is more like sort of invested and he's a good leader and all that and um you know the benji stuff is roommate who loves magic you know and all that and,
0: yeah like, I, I, who's ben platt
1: right which is like so much fun and and just again Again, going back to like you know, he sings, "I've got the magic in me." At the end, and they're doing yes. the whole thing, and I just there's little moments are just again they're just little two step setup payoff. Like oh, he likes magic. He sings a song yes. about having the magic in him. He wants to be a singer. Like. And I just imagine everything out on this whiteboard that he's posted. Let's, let's just set this up, pay this off, set this up, pay this off. Set
0: this up. But that's so important because I it feel is. like there's always movies where it's like they set something up and there's no payoff at yes. all. I think about like it, but the thing is they're little things. Like we're stuck right now. Sorry, um, you guys, sorry, you've heard this so many times about me going off about Marvel. Like I don't disagree. <laughs> but they do this in such a a backwards way that never pays off and it's also but the thing is they're also being handicapped by the fact that they have so many movies and so many characters to pay off but this it's work it shows how it could work on a smaller level
1: also, Marvel has that problem now, where like every character has to be Han Solo, like every character yes. has to be Robert Downey Jr. Where it's like yeah. they're, they're too are too cool for this. Where it's like it's okay if it's just him, mm-hmm. It's not okay if it's every
0: character. But yeah,
1: yeah, they're they're, they're having a hard time over there. I don't know if they, I don't know if they come back to that, but that's a whole other discussion. <laughs> I've written, I've listen. My last like year of superhero movie reviews <laughs> have been basically like I think superheroes are done. I think we're done with it. <laughs>
0: i think that we are definitely there i mean it seems like the only good one this year was guardians 3. i tried to watch it and i couldn't get past the first 20 minutes because it made me cry so much i was like i can't do this i don't i don't do animal stuff very well i don't like it um but it seems like everyone liked that one the positive thing
1: I think, that, I think that movie's okay. I think that yes. I, I, was, I was not as high on it as many others were, but I understand why. Right
0: now, like, we'll take okay. You yeah. know? <laughs> yeah.
1: When I, when I saw Blue Beetle, I was like, Blue Beetle is like a superhero movie out of 2006. Like, this is, yep. we, we, just, we looped all the way back around again. Like, we just. 100%. You know, yeah, which to me is kind of a sign that it's,
0: yeah, I think it's, I think it's over.
1: But Pitch Perfect will live forever. So that, that's
0: <laughs> I know. Is. Forever. We will have a time capsule and this will go in there along with Casablanca and Chinatown.
1: I mean, the, basically the same movies.
0: <laughs> do you have a specific scene that you break down or talk about? Or do you just do the whole thing?
1: I, what you mean? Like in class? I mean, we yes. watch. You know, we watch the movie, and and I uh-huh. will. You know, we I, we have to do it in pieces, obviously, because it's, yes. a, it's a high school schedule. So it's it's obviously if it was a college class or whatever, I would show the whole film. Um, but we do. We tend to. I do like. I you know, when I do my handouts and I do my sort of analysis questions and stuff like that. Like I do. Like I teach the hero's journey first, so I'll give them a map and we'll kind of walk through the structure and, I'll, and I will give them just certain questions to think about. So typically like we'll watch a chunk of it and we'll discuss it. So I I, I do target like, you know, the shower scene, obviously I target the, the, the riff off scene. I target the end scene. We talk about all the characters and we sort of I mean, I will kind of on the board again, like kind of say like, OK, what was what was you know, Cynthia Rose's, you know, quality. Okay. It's it's paid off here. What was what was the problem that Becca was having? Okay, let's let's find where it gets paid off here, where it gets developed here. So I kind of hit the whole thing. Um yeah. Usually, I mean, I will, I will, I'll take like a full week, you know, with like uh-huh. just like for some people, like, hey, a full week with Pitch Perfect sounds. Great. <laughs> Other people, a full week with Pitch Perfect sounds like a nightmare, but yeah. I, I, I do tend to, I do tend to take my time with it. So yeah, no, I target the whole thing, and I kind of just, I really try to break it down because I think it's so important that, especially again, if you're a teenager, if you're if you're entry level, if it's like. It's important to see that all those pieces matter. All those pe like yeah. everything in there matters, and there is so much you can do with a text that might seem disposable, um, and uh, that its roots are as you know far back in storytelling as as anything else.
0: Do you have you ever had a student like really what? connect with you like discussing this movie?
1: I mean, I've definitely had students who who have said to me like, "I've never saw this." Um, I, I I typically what I have when I when I teach film, the number one feedback I get is, um, "You ruined movies for me," <laughs> which, which I always took as a compliment uh, because yeah. essentially what that meant was like, "I I watch movies to turn my brain off, and you're making yeah. me think about them." Um, and so and I'm not saying that in a, like a way, but just in a way that's like. I, cause, cause I'm, I'm trapped in that brain. Like that's the brain I'm trapped. Yeah. In. Like I know like sometimes, like I will sometimes see some people, you know, talk about like if I write a review and people say like, ah, you know, that's, here's why he's wrong. And here's blah, blah, blah. And it's like, you're thinking too deeply about this. or You're getting to this or that. And I'm always like, I'm, I'm trapped here. I'm just trying to bring you in with me. So yeah um, I will say, you know, I will say sometimes it is very gratifying. Um, I love so. I one of the other movies I do is is Jurassic Park. Um, uh huh. And, we'll, and we'll talk about Jurassic Park for for more more so for like movie making and like I do like a whole symbolism thing and like uh-huh. we, we talk a little bit about like story arcs and things like that. And I teach Jurassic Park, and we do I, I I fold that into like special effects. I get a lot of stuff from that, which is really fun. I did show I once showed a class Goodfellas. Um, oh. And uh, I did have a student who was raised on a you know diet of Marvel movies, the way they all are, uh-huh. and, uh, and said to me, literally said to me, like I didn't know movies were allowed to do this.
0: Oh wow!
1: Which to me is like that's like the most gratifying. Like if I can introduce a student to Scorsese and they and their, and their reaction <laughs> is like. Again, I was raised on Iron Man and Captain America, and I yeah. seen Goodfellas for the first time, and I go, "Oh, I didn't know movies were allowed to do this. Like, I didn't know mm-hmm. this is like what a movie could be. This counts too. Like, you can do this. That's like the most gratifying thing. So I, I get, I get a lot of, you know. I also, I also showed a class Scott Pilgrim once, and a girl came up to me and said, "That was dumb. Why did you show that to us?" And I was like, "I'm sorry for your life. I don't know. I don't know who broke <laughs> you, but." You know, you thought Scott Pilgrim was- That's so interesting
0: because it feels like such a movie geared toward that audience. They're all reading like graphic novels and stuff like that. So I'm very surprised. I mean, maybe Love's Pride and Prejudice. I mean, I would probably would have been that girl because that's how I was at the time.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, then I'm sure somebody else would have complained if I showed them pride and prejudice. So, you know, <laughs> my, favorite, my favorite thing, and this is something I, I experience all the time as an English teacher, is, is when, when I talk about, like, people ask me about, like, my curriculum, like, books I teach, and they'll be like, yeah, I hated that book when I was in school. Then I read it later, and I realized it was really good. I'm like, yeah, welcome to my life. When people mm-hmm. people are forced to read a book or watch something, and they're they like, oh, well, it's school, so it's homework, so I don't want to do that. And then, then they go back and read it later. I'm like, oh, no, that's actually really great. So... You know maybe somebody watched pit perfect in my class and didn't like it and then they went back and watched it later and realized it was good i don't know we'll see
0: but i think reanalyzation is so important perfect. and something that we've kind of lost um as we get into the algorithmic age and i think that's why it's so important to be able to expand the horizons and have discussions about things you know even internally like it's it's baffling how, how many people just watch the same thing over and over again
1: or how many people don't ever watch something more than once yes um, that's something uh, patrick at, at this movie and i were talking about before which is like you know i used to like rip into a, a dvd and like yeah watch the commentary track and watch the special and watch the movie over i used to fall asleep to to movies all the time and like i feel like even now, in now myself too just having so many things to watch like I, I will I will go back and and look at like you know movies that came out that like won Oscars and I'm like oh yeah I saw that that was good I never watched that again maybe I need to <laughs> rewatch that like you know that's it's a, it's an age where everything just moves so fast and as we said before there's no like monoculture anymore so everybody is on completely different planets when it comes yeah. to people watching and. You know, again, I work with teenagers, so like a lot of them they don't even watch movies. they just watch YouTube and TikTok. And and, yeah. not, and I don't mean that as pejorative. I think there's really, really great stuff on YouTube and TikTok that's like pushing creative boundaries. And I think we should be embracing that. Um so I don't I don't mean that as like oh kids today they have no attention span. I mean that as like I don't that there are some kids they just don't watch movies. Like movies are just yeah. like not a, an art form that they're familiar with. And so I don't know.
0: And I think Uh, as you bring up TikTok and YouTube I think that it's important to understand that that's kind of where comedy lies nowadays and that's part of the reason why we don't get stuff like this as much anymore is because it's it's all comes in these bite-sized forms and I'm hoping with you know as the current movies we have the marvel whatever starts flowing down i hope we see more comedies come to the forefront as a way to like throw small budgets at these creators and be like okay let's see what you can do
1: yeah yeah i mean we you know we see like i was just thinking about the the jennifer lawrence movie from earlier this year um, yeah no hard feelings something like that like a mid-budget movie star vehicle comedy that's like totally charming and totally good and totally interesting. And like, that's that mid range movie that doesn't really, we talk all the time about how that movie doesn't come to theaters anymore. But I do think, especially after the strike, when we come back and like everything starts to resettle, I, my hope is that we do start to see more of those medium level projects or those sort of, we start to see the top heaviness of of Hollywood with the blockbusters. We do start to see that level out a little bit. I think that's going to lead to a lot more diversity in topic tone Theme genre, like we're gonna start. I think we're. My hope is that, if I'm being optimistic, we're gonna see a lot more parody there. And and I, I I think it's a very interesting time we're about to enter.
0: Yeah, I think it's really important for people to look at films like Pitch Perfect to bring it back mm-hmm. if they are going to stay take that next step and use it as a template to overlay their own comedic journey or you know sensibilities into that because. Like, it's just a sports movie. It's just a template. It's just the hero's journey. Whatever template you want to use, using this and inserting your own, uh, you know, ideas in there.
1: And I think that reasserts why the template is powerful. It It does. It also makes the template feel more personal. It helps people remember why it's good and why it appeals to us. There's a reason why stories feel good. Yes, and, and, and they reassure us and they teach us empathy and they teach us all these things. And, and that's, that's just, I think, I think structure, we were, again, I go back to my, come all the way back around, like a nice circle here. At the <laughs> I, 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 you know, I think that we're so eager to outsmart that that we lose track of why it matters.
0: Yeah. We all just want to put our hand up in the air. Well, right. that song plays exactly, exactly. Well, do you have any final thoughts?
1: I mean, I, listen, if you want me to talk for three more hours about Pitch Perfect, I can do that. But I think we've more or less established <laughs> our point. Um, no, I, just, I think it's a great movie. I think it's a great entry-level movie. I think it's it makes hard things look easy. Um, and I, I hope that anybody who's listening to this and hasn't seen it checks it out. Or maybe anybody who is listening to this and kind of wrote that movie off, maybe just give it a second look. I think you'll find more there than you thought was in there.
0: Well, I really appreciate you bringing this my attention i love like off-center ideas for like what things should be like i don't want to talk about chinatown and Casablanca all the time right let's talk about all the other things because that is really what makes up you know film viewing is all these other things
1: yes there's plenty of other episodes this season (laughs) on your podcast where people (laughs) talk about really elaborate interesting screenplays (laughs) they're great episodes i've listened to them you should go back and you should go and listen but i wanted to bring a little bit of Aka uh you know, Aka whatever. I wanted to bring a little bit of Aka, Aka, Aka structure. structure. ACA structure, yes. Aka, <laughs> Aka bring it
0: in. Well, thank you so much for talking about this with me. Do you have do you want to throw your stuff out there where people can find you? I, you
1: can find me at fsmovie.com. I'm I'm bad at social media. I'm not good <laughs> at tweeting. I'm not good at the discourse. Um, you won't find much of me there. You can find my writing at f
0: well, I'm sure more people know of you than know of me. So I appreciate the D Casino bump. Really don't it. Always. That. Yes. We absolutely. All do <laughs> absolutely. Well, you can find uh School by Cinema at all the places and have a great day.